Hey there, goal getter. I'm Monique Malcolm, your host, productivity expert, and coach. Are you ready to bid farewell to overwhelm and fear and start making some real strides in your life? Then buckle up because the Take Tiny Action podcast is the solution you've been waiting for. In each episode, we'll share actionable insights, personal stories, and arm you with the tools you need to tackle life's biggest challenges one tiny step at a time. So grab a cozy drink, take a deep breath, and get ready to take the first steps towards a life you love. Welcome to Take Tiny Action, where I empower you to take control of your life one tiny action at a time. This is episode number seven, and I'm so glad that you're here. In today's episode, we have a truly inspiring guest who is dedicated to helping ambitious women transform their relationships with money. Hannah Beer is an energy healer, family constellation expert, and certified life coach whose passion lies in empowering women worldwide to create their connection with money in a life-affirming, positive, and loving way. For seven years, Hannah embarked on a quest to uncover the answer to a burning question. Can we create wealth without compromising our health, wellness, and happiness? And the resounding answer she discovered was a joyful yes. Now, Hannah works with clients leveraging her diverse skill set and clairvoyant abilities to identify and release deep-seated money blocks using her proprietary methodology. The result? Abundance unfolds in a whole new, almost magical way, leading her clients to soar to new levels of success seemingly overnight. They become radiant leaders, experiencing overflow, lightness, ease, fulfillment, and joy in every aspect of their lives. Get ready to be inspired as Hannah shares her wisdom, insights, and practical strategies for creating abundance and living a life of joy. So without further ado, let's dive into this empowering conversation with Hannah Beer. Okay, Hannah, I'm so excited to talk with you about money. This has been a conversation I've loosely been having with people on Instagram about money and um, debt, really thinking about how do we become better financial stewards? And I recently was talking about this in my stories and people were super into it. I had so many DMs after about people just wanting to know about like, how do we start to take steps towards fixing our money and and being better about managing it and getting out of debt, those types of things. So this episode is going to be right on time. So I want to start out by um, just tell me about how did you stumble into your line of work? Because what you do is really specific. So what what was like the thing that happened to you or what did you notice that propelled you towards wanting to do this? Yeah, it's kind of funny that I now work as a money coach because um, if you had asked me even just 10 years ago, I would have said to you, like, money is the last thing I should have any opinions on. I was such a mess. Um I come from a family on my mom. So I'm the daughter of an American. My, my dad is an American. My mom is German. On my mom's side, both of my grandparents were refugees during World War II when they were just children, came to Germany, had nothing. The country was in rubble. Everything needed to be rebuilt. And so a poverty, being able to lose everything, like that's kind of in our family story on my dad's side. My family also grew up in extreme poverty. Many of my family members joined the army because there was just nothing else that they could have done to earn a living. And I'm the second person in my family to even go to university to get a degree. My aunt came before me. She eventually got a teaching degree, and then I was the second one. But so in my family, poverty, not really being educated, having to work really, really, really hard um, is the norm. 
And growing up, I kept seeing my friends, you know, go to college and and graduate and get really good jobs. And they didn't seem to lie awake at night, absolutely terrified about whether or not they can pay rent the next day. That They didn't seem completely scared and feeling incapable of even making the simplest money decisions. And I felt so ashamed about that for such a long time. I felt like everybody uses money. Money is everywhere. How come it's so overwhelmingly hard for me. And even when I managed to make a little more, and even when I managed to grow my savings and make a little profit and figure out what I was meant to do professionally in my life, even when it was enough, it didn't feel like enough because the sense of like scarcity was so deeply ingrained in my body. And so the reason why I'm not really good at clearing people's money blocks was because I needed to clear every single one of mine And I always tell my clients, like, you can tell me everything and anything. Nothing can shock me because your situation was probably not as bad as mine used to be. And that's why I'm so passionate about helping people heal their relationship with money and really learn how to always have way more than they need, how to always have an absolute abundance and how to feel that sense of peace, that sense of calm, that, that real knowing that if anything were to happen, you'd be fine, that money is not the thing that needs to keep you up at night, that you are capable of taking care of yourself with the help of money. And what fascinates me is that I'm not discovering that it's not just me, like it's many, many, many people who feel like money is the last thing that just doesn't feel good. And some of my clients come from wealthy families or their spouses have great jobs or they have really lucrative businesses. And they say, I don't actually really have a reason to feel so terrified, so shamed, so guilty, so uncomfortable around money. And that's also just so fascinating to me how money really pushes all of our buttons. It, it tends to just make us so uncomfortable and have us face some, some very difficult truths. Yeah. So you, you mentioned like your, your family's upbringing and, and how, you know, there was poverty and different things like that. What were some of the messages that like you got from your parents about money? Was like money the root of all evil? You know, what kind of things did they say? Yeah, I actually didn't receive many verbal messages. For me, it was more what I saw play out. So my mom always worked really, really, really hard. Well, she did say, I have to go to work. I have to work. I have to go to work. And one of the gifts that I received from watching my family was I'm not afraid of working. I'm not afraid of getting my hands dirty. I do think that over the years I've been able to develop a pretty good work ethic. Um, but what I did witness was that you that you can't, you have to compromise your own values and sacrifice what you most believe in in the name of money. Like in order to make money, you just have to do whatever it takes. And that is something that growing up, I didn't want. I felt like, okay, so money seems to be the decision maker. It felt like every decision was based on money. It was always, we can't do this because of money. You have to do that because of money. And that just felt really restrictive And also quite scary, it was like money was this big authority over every decision in our lives. And then the other thing that I was able to discover um, a couple of years into my adult life was that there really was a feeling inside of me that everything could be could be taken at any moment. Like I was I wasn't planning for the future, I wasn't making any long-term decisions. 
because it always felt like, oh, but like everything could just crumble. Everything could just be taken away. Who am I to think that I get to keep my money? And at the time I was like, Where, why, why do I have that belief? And then when I saw the bigger picture of my family story, it made more sense to me because my ancestors did lose everything. They did have to rebuild from scratch and it was absolutely unfair and they did not deserve it. And it happens to many people to this day, right? Where something happens and just the rug gets pulled out from underneath their feet. But my reaction to this was to just really live in the moment and to not actually build the financial structures that I needed for a really healthy future. Yeah, that's it's so interesting how these money uh, patterns, they're like the generational things that are like generational loops that repeat themselves. I don't want to call them curses um, because uh, like you, I, I, I got a lot of messaging and signaling from my parents. Um, although my dad used to be like, like, I can't afford this. That that was the thing that he, he still says it. But he worked sun up to sundown, like still. He still works really hard and really long hours. And um, now that both of my parents are nearing retirement age, I'm just like, wow, I don't want to, not that I don't want to work hard, but I don't want to follow that same loop. And I don't want my son to follow that same loop. And I don't want my nieces and nephews to follow that same thing. Like I want them to be able to have some sense of security in their life and some sense of ease. And yes, you're going to work and you need to work hard. But you don't have to work forever. <laughs> you don't have to work sun up to sundown every single day of your life to be able to survive. That's that's not what I want for them. So I think these kinds of conversations are really important so that people can be aware of where some of these uh, beliefs and things come from. Because I call our fears and our beliefs, sometimes they're a mystery grab bag of things that we don't know. And they're unhelpful, like things that you don't act, they don't belong to you. They belong to somebody else in your family, but they just handed it off to you. I was like, oh, well, here, take this. And now now you have this grab bag of stuff that you're dumping out on the table. Like, what is this? What what am I supposed to do with this? And I don't even want any of this. So it's really interesting to hear you say that you recognize some of these things are just like stuff that came through your family, like family family traumas and, and experiences that happened. Um, so I want to I wanna ask you uh, a few things about money. And this is like the line of work that you do with money bliss and stuff like that. So to start off, can you tell me what are the biggest lies that women have been told about money? Because I am a champion of women. I want women to have ton of mo- like tons of money. I think if women had more money, we had more power, the world would be a better place. We'd be a lot better off. Come at me in my DMs about it because I can wax poetic about this all day long. You will not change my beliefs. (laughs) But I want to know, I want you to debunk, what are some of the lies that we have been told about money? Yeah, one of the lies that rubs me the wrong way the most is that abundance is a destination. That once we reach six figures in in business or a seven-figure revenue year or an eight-figure revenue or once we've got the big house or once we've got the... I don't know, 250000 in savings or in our investments, that that's when we'll have made it. That's when we'll feel secure. That's when we'll feel like we're enough. And it just doesn't work that way. Abundance is more about, it's about who you are. Abundance is something that we source from within. Abundance is a way of being where you are resourceful, 
where you feel capable with money, where you've got the skills to always create more, where you know exactly how to grow your savings, exactly how to make a profit, where you know exactly how to pick the right money-making vehicle for you, whether that's a business or a job. So abundance is really more about who you are as a person. And if we try to source our safety from external sources, that's actually really scary, right? Like in my instance, I always felt like, well, of course I'm terrified because I don't have that or because I don't have this. And even when I had money, it still didn't feel like enough. And so the only way that we can really feel secure as life kind of moves around us is by beginning to source our sense of safety from within and by becoming the person who is amazing at money. So, you know, I just want to really make sure that this plane lands. Like we need to begin to source our sense of abundance and enoughness from within, not by setting external goals and needing to hit them. Because most of my clients, you know, once they hit a goal, if they haven't healed the inner wounds, they'll just keep wanting more, right? Like some of my millionaire friends still feel like it's not enough and then they make more money and there's always somebody who has more money than them. And so this is how we're unconsciously driven by all these money wounds that we carry inside. Oh, that's it's so interesting that you mentioned that um, because I, I see that a lot, especially uh, working in the online business space, like the, the constantly creeping goals. So it's like, oh, this time I'm going to get a $50,000 lot. And the next time I want it to be $100,000. And now it needs to be 2000 And now, uh, now it needs to be half a million. And this, it's just this creeping goal. And that's not to say that uh, we should not have goals and like want to exceed the last one. But at what point do you just realize that like you did the thing and like be excited about that? But I, I think that behind some of that, and this is just my own personal opinion, I don't think it's just purely we want more revenue. It's just we want more because we're filling this void or we're trying to fill this void. We don't feel like there is enough or we are enough. And so we just keep going and it, and it's not even limited to just like online business and launching it's, it's personal achievements and things too i got a bachelor's degree and now i need to get a master's and now i need to get a doctorate because there's just more and more and more uh because for some reason there's a void and i i and i'm not trying to say like downplay people's accomplishments or achievements because i love to accomplish things and like achieve my goals but sometimes you do have to ask yourself where does this come from? Is this a place coming from a place of like, I just want to see this experience as something that I really desire to do? Or does this come from a place of, I don't feel like I'm enough. And so I need to like keep showing people that I can be enough. So I, I think that's really interesting. You right. mentioned that. Are there any other like big lies that you feel like really passionate that you want to debunk? Yeah, the one that you just touched on with the increasing numbers, right? Like when I started my business, it was 100K a year was like the amount you needed to earn. And then it was multiple six figures, seven figures, eight figures. And I always tell my clients, how about we do both? How about we fill you in with all those deeper needs that you've been longing for? How about we fill you in with a feeling of, of, of security and a feeling of being enough and a feeling of joy and a feeling of, of pleasure and then we can also create the amazing financial outcomes for you. But when you're really full of all those delicious feelings and you feel a sense of wholeness, a, feel, a sense of balance, a feeling of, I call it bliss, when you're blissfully happy in your own body and we create a lot of money, people enjoy it so much more. And I think one of the myths is that 
is that the two are disjointed. One of the myths is that money is like this shallow thing, this thing that is only a currency that we use to exchange goods and services. But money really touches the deepest parts of who we are. Money is the thing that at some point replaces our parents' care and love, right? When we're little, our parents would take care of us. They would give us food and make sure that we have a comfy bed to sleep in. And they would, you know, kiss our boo-boos and, and take care of us and take us, you know, to like really lovely day trips and stuff. And then when we get older, we now get to mature and do those things for ourselves. And ideally, we would learn how to take care of ourselves using money. And so money is so emotionally charged because it's all about meeting our own needs and giving ourselves what we want and need. And um, and so to think of money as just this shallow thing or to just keep chasing these empty goals, we're really just looking half of the full story of money. And so one of the things that I'm really passionate about, like I said, is to help my clients meet all of their emotional needs and then they can just play with money. And then they can just earn however much money they want just for the joy of it. But it's not that they have to reach certain milestones in order to feel like they're good enough. And then the paradox is that the money actually shows up a lot more easily. Mm -hmm. So I, I've heard you mention money bliss and I mentioned it loosely. Uh, I'm really big on making sure that people understand the wording and things that we're saying. So can you explain what money bliss is or give us a definition? Yeah. Money bliss is when you're just really blissfully happy with your money, when you found your own flow with money, when you found your way of making money, you know, is the right way for you to make money in a business? Is it a job? Is it both? Some of my clients, it, it also really depends on the phase of life that you're in. In some phases, some of my clients don't actually work any traditional job or business. They just make are amazing at making money on the side. So money bliss, is it's really important in order to live money bliss that you figure out how do I like to make money right now? And then we help you grow this money-making vehicle, make sure that you get all of your financial needs met. And then we also fill you in emotionally. So this is why I love the word money bliss because it's both, right? Like blissfully happy on the inside and a lot of money. That to me is the recipe for a really, really cool life because money buys you choice. Right. Like when you've got a lot of money and you've got the self-esteem and the courage and the clear mindedness and the joy inside of you, then you can begin to make choices based on soul. So you don't have to make choices based on money, but you can make choices based on soul and actually live the most congruent life for you. Mm, I love that. Um, it, you know, what you said about like money being emotionally charged and it, it touches the deepest parts of us. I don't think that we are really aware of that part of it. Like we know that we need money for survival, but I don't think that consciously we think about the fact that money drives so many different parts of our lives, not just like, do I have enough to make rent, but like how well you can take care of yourself and those types of things. And I think we know this like big picture wise, but but you mentioned that... Um, like your parents, when you're when you're younger, your parents have to like your parents are wor worried about your do you eat or like um, your health, and then when you get older, like being able to financially take care of yourself, like really take care of yourself well, it's really it costs a lot. It's expensive to be able to really take care of yourself, 
And I think a lot of us um, are so stuck in the survival mode that we aren't able to really take care of ourselves as well as we could or we should because we just don't have the means to. And that can be very frustrating and very, very emotional for a lot of people. So, you know, when you're talking with your clients and things, have you found any of these elements or like what elements have you seen make the most impact on shaping people's relationship with money? Yeah, one thing that is so obvious is that most of us just don't get an education, right? Most of us just don't know how to manage money well. We don't know what the money best practices are that are available to us. We don't know how to choose the right practices for us because we don't actually even really know what it is that we want, what the ideal life would look like for us. And so one of the things that I always do with my clients, I give them like a long list of like Hannah's money best practices. They're so simple. They're timeless truths. Some of my clients live in Asia. Some of my clients live in South America. Some of my clients live in Europe. Some of my clients live in North America. Like my clients are all over the world. And every country has its own laws, has its own financial system. Every client has their own story, their own idea of what they want to accomplish in their lives. But there are certain money best practices that everybody can implement. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter your family's history. It doesn't matter what ethnicity you are, what religion you are, what gender you are. It doesn't matter at all because... Um, money is a form of life force energy. And when you can expand the capacity within you to let yourself always have an overflow of it and always retain a really wonderful profit of it, there is always the same practices that help you make that happen. And so sometimes my clients will come to me and they'll have these beliefs of like, well, I'm too old or my family was too poor or You know, my family had a lot of money, so nobody ever taught me about money. And who am I to even want to start a business to make any money? Or, you know, we we like to blame ourselves. Like, I'm not intelligent enough. I'm not creative enough. I'm not talented enough. My story was always, I'm so introverted. I'm not extroverted enough. So how could I ever be a success in business? Everybody has has their story, right? But when I give them the best practices and they implement them, before we've even done any emotional healing on them, they'll realize I was just lacking skills. I was just, there were some things I just didn't know how to do, right? Like I was taught how to ride a bike. I was taught how to speak French. Like I was taught, you know, I'm learning how to play the guitar. Like we learn so many things in life, but we don't learn how to manage money. And that is fascinating. I remember feeling so inadequate because I thought, I don't know how money works. I'm so, I just, I call myself stupid. I was like, how am I so stupid that I can't seem to figure this out? And now I see I've just never learned how to do it. And it's, it wasn't a character flaw of mine. I just, I didn't know. So can you share with us, like, what are your top two money best practices? Yeah. One of my favorite money best practices is always make a profit no matter what. Structure your business so it makes a profit and make a personal profit. And that should be your non-negotiable. You should always, at the end of the month, have made a profit. Um, that, to me, is a non-negotiable. Because even if you only make a tiny profit, you still end up having more money at the end of the month. And by always having a profit, your nervous system gets used to increase. It gets used to growth. It becomes comfortable with allowing your money to expand. Like I said, money is an expression of love. 
most of us are really uncomfortable with this feeling of being safe, being taken care of, having choice, being able to sleep soundly at night, knowing that we can make whatever decision we need to make to take care of ourselves. And so, you know, I love that your brand is called Take Tiny Action because that's exactly what it is. We take these tiny actions to let the money in our lives grow and it makes us more comfortable with growth. If we can allow another, you know, $100 at the end of every month to just stick around in our bank accounts, then over time we'll be comfortable with it being 1000 or 10000 or 20000 for a while, I was living off of 10% of my, of my take-home income, you know, after tax. Because I was just making a ton of money. I didn't have any kids at the time, um, you know, and I was just really, I was really organized with my finances and really clear on what mattered to me. And I was living a very comfortable, very luxurious life on not a lot of money. And I was really able to retain a huge profit that then came in very handy when I had my daughter. And I didn't feel any pressure to make any money. You know, it was really nice to just feel like I have all this money now sitting in my bank accounts. I can just relax and really, really enjoy this time. So making a profit is one of the money best practices that you need to commit to come hell or high water. Yes. Um, So with uh, finances, I know uh, you and I talked a lot about like my debt journey and, and paying that off. But I know uh, a lot of times people were in the early stages of their financial journey and, and trying to conquer debt and, and pay that off. It can really seem like it gets harder. Like the harder we try to get out of the financial hole, the harder it gets. What are your thoughts on that? Right. So our money wiring, most of it, we receive it from our families, right? So the, you know, in my own story, I see it so clearly. Like my money problems were very similar to my parents and those were very similar to their parents and so on and so on and so on. So the way that I look at money, the way that I do money, the goals that I set are very much influenced by my family of origin. That's actually the missing piece for most of the people I talk to where we feel like in our Western society is like we always tend, tend to believe that we're these individuals and we can just make whatever choice. But the truth is that our ancestry matters. The culture we come from matters. The history of our family matters so much more than we give it credit for. And so if we don't examine the money wiring that we've received from our families and from our upbringing, we'll keep looking at the same problem and try to approach it the very same way. Because it's almost like we've got this tunnel vision and we can only ever see one approach or a very limited amount of approaches. And so it's really important that we clear. Um, I'm an energy healer, so I love clearing people's money stories. Those could be beliefs. Those could be patterns. Those could be points of view. Those could be habits. Some of my clients come to me with like lists of businesses that they want to start, but none of those businesses are really are suitable to give them the lifestyle that they want, or some of those business may not be um, that fun to run or don't actually fit them. And so it's fascinating to me. I always ask them, like, how did you come up with these business ideas? And they'll say, oh, like my aunt does this and my dad does that. And so we come to money with this very limited perspective of what we think we can do. But once we kind of clear the fog and we clear ourselves out, we can we can look at our money and at our problems 
in a much more expanded point of view and we can see solutions that we never saw before and we can fix the problems much faster. One of my clients had been struggling to get to six figures for years and within two weeks of working together, she doubled her income, you know, and like now she's at like multiple six figures really easily. And the only thing that we did was we just cleared her, her, her money blocks. And then she was able to see how she was able to double her income actually really easily. But before we started working together, you know, she could have sworn that she was really, really, really stuck. And that is the power of the old money wiring and why it's so important to get rid of it. So do you have any like first steps that people can take to start working on rewiring those, those stories? Yeah, so there's a daily practice that I teach, and you guys can just follow along. You can do it with your eyes open or with your eyes closed. And just imagine that there's this beautiful source of light somewhere above your head. Just imagine this light flowing down, moving through your body, out the bottoms of your feet, down into the earth, bouncing back up, filling in your body again from below. Okay, light above you, light below you, light around you, light inside of you. And then just notice that you're glowing. Perfect. And then let's just imagine that this light knows exactly how to heal you and just give it permission to begin to clear away any fears, any worries, any tension, any old thinking. Amazing. And just keep this light with you as you go throughout your day and it's going to increasingly clear you out. And then what you might notice is that you're able to perceive new money-making opportunities or you're able to kind of know who you need to talk to or know the email to send or know the phone call to make. Or you may just find yourself getting more increasingly lucky where you get discounts or freebies or random money just kind of shows up in your life. But yeah, I like to sometimes just imagine this light kind of swirling around my head and I just ask it, to kind of open my eyes to seeing all the money-making opportunities that are all around me and to help me see which ones would be most profitable for me and to give me the courage to actually act on them and to follow them through all the way to the end and to make it okay to do something different, to try something new. I like that a lot. I love like grounding, meditative, mindfulness things. Um, (laughs) So wrapping up here at Take Tiny Action, my biggest thing is I want every episode to be actionable. I want to leave readers, readers, I want to leave listeners with something actionable that they can apply within today, the next day, the next week. So what are some tiny actions that listeners can take right away to shift their relationship with money? Yeah, one of my favorite things to teach is that you can make money work for you. Like you can use money to make yourself happy. It really is actually intended that way. And so when you spend money or engage with money today, just really think about, does this make me happy? Like, does this benefit me? Does this profit me? And if no, how can I make it profit me more? This may mean that, you know, before buying something, you may do some research to find the best deal for you. Or before signing a contract, you might read it all the way through and decide to negotiate, you know, or you might be willing to call your credit card company to negotiate new terms, you know. So 
the way that you interact with money is one way that you love yourself in life. And I want to encourage you to, to do what is needed to take excellent care of yourself with the use of money. And sometimes that means that we'll have to have some uncomfortable phone calls or we'll have to be the person who has to speak to the manager to negotiate new terms. But it's really important that you understand that money, you're supposed to make yourself happy with money. You're not supposed to just play along with what society wants you to do with your money, but it's really, it's supposed to benefit you. It's supposed to profit you. It's supposed to make your life more wonderful. And if you have money interactions that don't actually help you or benefit you, think about how you can change that. All right. So if listeners want to get in contact with you and find out more about Money Bliss or hear you on your podcast, where can they find you online? My website is hannahbeer.com. That's H-A-N-N-A-B-I-E-R.com. On Instagram, you can find me under Hannah Money Bliss. My name is spelled without an H at the end, so it's H-A-N-N-A. Um, I have free affirmation cards on my website as well. So if you type in hannahbeer.com slash affirmations, you can get the Money Bliss affirmation cards as a first way to dive into the Money Bliss way of life and begin healing your relationship with money. Awesome. Thank you for being a guest today. I'm so excited to talk with you about money and money bliss and just how people can start to reshape their relationship with money. So thank you for all of your wisdom and all of the the tips and gems that you dropped, Hannah. Mm -hmm.